0: welcome in everybody episode 21 of the other guys podcast i am alex woodward this is tim barbless across from me orioles could they be on the way out of baltimore we will get into that in depth there's two articles out that came out in the past week kind of hinting at that being a possibility The Ravens, they are a month away from the start of training camp, but we got a lot to talk about as far as Lamar Jackson, the rookies, the new look on the offense, the depth of the secondary, so much to get into with the Ravens, and as always, we have our Desk Pops and WTF Moments of the Week. Now, Tim, let's start here. Orioles, they are just god-awful, nothing new here. We've discussed they don't really know what they're doing with the front office. We've talked about the confusion there. We've talked about the trade scenarios. But we haven't discussed the lack of attendance, Um, even when they were successful a couple years ago. They still struggled to get people into that stadium. And now this uh, guy Tom Lavero from The Washington Times and Peter Schmuck from The Baltimore Sun, they both put out articles in the past week talking about the Nats and Orioles. They've been having this ongoing mass and dispute about how they split up the money, even though Peter Angelos owns it. And the whole reason they gave him that was to placate him because he was scared that they were going to lose a lot of fans to the D.C. market. Um, So now there is a new panel set to uh, decide who gets the money for Masson and how the, yeah, how they, they dig it up and everything. So they have a new panel for that. And both of them hinted that the Orioles are scared that They might get a bad hand on that Masson deal, and that could lead to them relocating. Now, Rob Manfred has talked about expanding to Nashville and Portland and other areas. I guess you could say that those could be options. And the lease for Camden Yards that the former owner of the Orioles, Edward Bennett Williams, he signed for 30 years in Baltimore. That's about to expire soon. So those are all factors that go into this. Now, is this a real thing, or is this just something to rile up the fan base even more than they already are?
1: I just think, Alex... Look, I think Schmuck and Lavero, I think I'm sure there's some legitimacy and they have some background knowledge and some, you know, information that isn't public, but I just think this is a perfect storm for them to write this. I think it kind of rallies or rouse up people and look, the Orioles are on pace to have their lowest attendance in the history of Camden Yards. The Orioles are on pace right now. They're a game behind the 88 season to have the worst you know, record in franchise history. They're not drawn fans. Uh, you know, there's kind of some fan discontent because of, we don't know what's going on. We talked about this in many podcasts. He was going to be leading this rebuild. You, you have a marquee franchise player, Manny Machado, who is not going to be here in a month. There's just a lot of uncertainty with this organization. Now, that being said, I would be stunned, absolutely stunned if anything really crazy comes out of this because you got to think even with the Orioles low attendance, they're still what, what what are they? Probably 25th, 26th in the MLB. Like the Rays don't draw more than them, the uh, Athletics don't draw more than them, and even the Pittsburgh Pirates don't draw more than more fans than them. So it's, you know, Look, right now, this is a very, very low point for this organization, but to really speculate relocation, that just seems insane to me because this is a passionate fan base. You know, just look at FanFest. Look at the TV ratings. You know, they're all high. The attendance, there's multitude of reasons for why it's low, and maybe a lot of poor reasons, uh, being that, as you said, Alex. I mean, we were talking in 2016 when they were made that wild card, where they couldn't draw September series against the Red Sox and big, big time series like that. But you have a premier sports stadium in America. You know, Camden Yards is regarded as. You know, one of the best, if not the best stadiums, regardless of sports, in the country. You know, there's a lot of good things with this organization. They do have a storied history. From 1965 to 1985, they were the most winningest organization in all of sports. I just think it would be just a travesty for this team to relocate. It would just be insane.
0: I don't see that being a real possibility. Now, also things that they mentioned there in that article, besides the things I already mentioned, was uh, Laverro implies that the feeling around Major League Baseball is that the Orioles don't want John and Lou Angelos running the organization, as in... People in the Orioles organization don't want the sons of the owner running the organization, and he implied that they'll try and force a sale. It didn't make it clear of how they would force a sale, but well. it seems like that might be an option as well, as opposed to relocating, just getting new ownership in the warehouse. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, it's. I think a lot of the attendance issues has to be tied in with the Ravens. I mean, 1997, the Orioles were in the ALCS. They lost. The year after that, the Ravens come back to Baltimore. Uh, It's the first time in, what, 14 years that Baltimore has a professional football team, and now fans have to make a decision between, do I spend the money on the Orioles or do I spend the money on the new Colts? And the Ravens came in and had success immediately. They won a Super Bowl within their first two years. And the Orioles, after that, slowly declined and declined. And the Nationals came here in 2005. By that point, the Orioles already had what five, six years of losing seasons. The the start of a 14-year losing season, you know, drought, if you if you will. I think the the Ravens have a big impact on the Orioles' revenue struggles. And the fact that we don't really know what's going on in the future is also a big reason this year, at least, why people aren't going out to the stadium. I don't think they will relocate. I it's weird that Major League Baseball that that the Orioles sound scared that Major League Baseball is gonna side with the Nationals because as far as I'm concerned, the Nationals have the DC market and we have Baltimore and everything in between is kind of just the gray area. Same thing with Ravens and Redskins.
1: Now I will say if they do end up losing the mass and lawsuit, then that's going to drastically alter their payroll. I mean, that's not gonna be good. But even then and they don't, far, they don't spend a lot of money no, on stuff either. Yeah, as far as the Ravens I I, I don't know if I agree with that I think I get saying that the Ravens kind of eat into that and this is more of a football town you could say but I think that's a poor excuse to be honest I mean how many cities have multiple sports franchises and can sell them out and just look I know that Baltimore's not Boston New York and doesn't have that type of population but I think it, it it's not unfathomable for this city to support both sports both franchises. No, I, I just think that that's...
0: But but going back to when they were successful and they were making the playoffs three out of five years, they still struggled getting butts yes. in the seats besides the playoff games. Yes. And you can't tell me that doesn't have anything to do with the Ravens. People spend thousands of dollars on their season ticket packages for both, for both teams. And this is a blue-collar city. People make a decision one or the other, typically. Not a lot of people have the luxury of saying, I'm a season ticket holder for the Orioles and the Ravens. It's usually one no, or the no. other. And you have to pick which one is more important to you. And honestly, the Ravens have been a lot more competitive consistently. uh, You know, the past five years, you could say the Orioles have been more competitive. But over the course of time, the Ravens have consistently been the more competitive team. The team that you're you're probably going to get your money's worth more with them than you would with the Orioles.
1: Like I said, there's a multitude of reasons. I mean, there's some people, you know, the 14 years will never... People will never let that go of losing baseball. And, you know, some people don't like the ownership and some people want to point to the riots and the city being, you know, crazy. But I you know, to quote Bob Haney, there probably isn't a more safe spot in Baltimore City than an Oriole game day. Absolutely. You know, during, it's I mean, a how many atmosphere. people are that yeah, I I don't buy that excuse either there's just so many excuses being made. You Exactly. And And the
0: the thing with the kids, I'm not taking my kids out that late on a weeknight. Kids nine and under now get in for free. The Orioles are the first team in Major League Baseball to offer that kind of deal. And we're taking it for granted. You're allowed to bring your kids in, as long as they're nine and under, you can bring them in for free for a purchase of one upper deck ticket. And... You know, if you don't want your kids to stay out late on a weeknight, you can still take them there for the first four yeah, or five yeah, half innings. The game, yeah. Kids are basically done after the first four or five innings anyways. So you take them there. They have their fun. They get to get that ballpark atmosphere and that family atmosphere. And you get to take them home before it's bedtime. And you don't have to worry about anything. And you're not spending a boatload of money on getting them in the stadium. Now, you might spend a lot of money at concessions, but they even lower concession Lowered, prices yeah, this year. Say, I, So they've been making these efforts, and they have an expanded menu. And I've only been to three Major League ball- Ballparks
1: in my life, but the
0: Orioles by far have the most
1: variety that I've seen. I just think the Orioles make it as affordable as possible, and to the Orioles' credit, they're doing everything to bring people to the stadium. Just... The Amount of promotions that they're doing. I mean, they did the Buck Snow Walter thing uh, on Monday for halfway to Christmas. 21,000 fans. Yeah. You know, it's just. It's a and, Monday night, but. I, I know. Still, but, but the, like but on that kind thing, of giveaway, the goal was
0: 25,000.
1: Yes, I mean, Alex, but there's always these excuses which just, you know, oh, it. Man, it's cold during April, or it's, it's the school's still in session. This, this It's summer, Like, and I get it. The team is terrible this year. I get that. I really do, but just, I mean, like you said, the nine and under, and they're on pace for the lowest attendance in the history of the ballpark. I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy, and it's sad, really, to be honest, and even with the team for as bad as they are, you know, I it's frustrating. It's it's very frustrating.
0: Um, so yeah, the Orioles, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this as the months move forward. I, I don't know when the Masson dispute is supposed to go to court. It seems like it's been going it's, on forever. It's going to be interesting. The Angelos family, they, they're a family of lawyers, and the Nats owners are known for taking, you know, daring people to take them to court. So it'll be interesting. I I, I don't see how they they flip it. I mean, they signed the contract when they came here. And they knew what it was when they got here. They still get their own revenue and stuff. I mean, they might split it more, you know, down the line a little bit with the Nationals. But at the end of the day, a contract's a contract. And until that's over, I don't see how they can overturn that. But as far as relocating, I think it's just empty threats. I think it's just something to, you know, rile up the fan base some more. Everybody's already pissed off at ownership anyways. We still don't know who the next GM is. The Buck Show Walter, Snow Walter Globe giveaway, whatever you want to call it on Monday. That's over. So now <laughs> so now what happens with Buck Show Walter? Is his tenure with the Orioles over now? It, it all remains to be seen. I don't think they're going anywhere, but it's, you know, certainly something to talk about as really? we approach the uh you
1: think Dan and Buck are staying? No, no, no. I don't think the Orioles are I don't think the Orioles
0: are relocating.
1: I definitely I think like, Dan
0: and Buck are probably right. out the door. Yeah. Uh so other Orioles stuff here. Britton, uh, he blew the save last night, Zach Britton. He's uh, got a 7.91 ERA and a 1.91 whip in eight appearances since returning from his uh, Achilles injury. Is his trade value dropping, Tim Barbalace I mean, the whole idea when he came back, and I, I was skeptical that they were rushing him back. I didn't think that they would rush him back if he wasn't ready, but it did seem like they definitely you know, frontlined him coming back, because he was supposed to come back that Thursday, then it was Friday, then he came back Monday. I don't think that he's giving them the performances that teams want to see, and they will still get value for Zach Britton. There's no doubt about that. But if he came back and that ERA's below five, I mean, I think his value is higher,
1: obviously. No, look, his first outing, that's when he had three walks. He ended up getting out of the inning unscathed, and then he came in during the Marlon series when I was down there and he was lights out. He's shown flashes, but then even during the Braves game, when he gave up four runs in the ninth inning, um, you know, when the Braves tied yeah. it up, it he's had his struggles. And, you know, of course, everyone's going to question, is he healthy? Is he healthy? I mean, he said repeatedly that he hasn't been rushed back. And with Zach, it's tough because if you're a contender, you know, and you really want that, dominant Zach Britton type closer, he's definitely got to show you more within the next month. I mean, if you're dishing out these major prospects and again, it's important to remind people he's a rental, you know, it's not like he's under club control next year. This is a guy that you're going only going to have for a couple months unless you resign him. I mean, you you said best. They're still going to get value from him just from his uh, track record. But it is definitely concerning. I mean, Dan Duquette came out and said and they're trying to pitch him as much as they can to really showcase him, but him kind of melting down and blowing saves, that's that's not helping causes. Well, and,
0: and think about it this way. Last year the Astros were the team that was most interested yes. in getting him, but apparently they weren't offering enough to the Orioles. Now, what happens if they send that same offer this year because Britain looks worse? And he's coming off an Achilles injury. I mean, they—that's probably likely the kind of deal that they're looking at now because they can't hold that over other teams' heads. Of well, Zach Britton is this; he's that. Because we're not sure where Zach Britton is anymore. I mean, he's his sinker still looks great when it's on, but when it's off, it's it's looking flat, and he's, exactly. he's had trouble locating the zone.
1: And he hasn't really humped up to you know ninety-seven, ninety-eight you know, velocities down. Yeah, so it. He's he's kind of a little bit of ways away and that's where it gets to you know, saying again, you know, this guy suffered the injury during the off season. You know, you're still talking about him less than a year, was it eight months, nine months removed Mm -hmm. from the injury? Again, you're not going to get the Zach Britton if you're a contender, and you have to factor that in your offer to the Orioles. Yep, and with Darren
0: O'Day hitting the DL, they have less ammunition to trade on the market because now Brad Brock is a little bit more valuable to the Orioles, and Blyer hit the DL as well, so now you really only have... Givens and Britton and Brock that are their mainline bullpen arms that are trade pieces, and I don't think Givens is going anywhere. No, Uh, He's really struggled this year, so it's either Brock or Britton, and neither of them have really lived up to their past expectations.
1: I think if a team is bringing in Brock as the setup role, I think then, you know, there's... He's definitely not a closer. No, he's not. He's not. But I think that's where Brock's value is. You know, he he made an all-star game. You know, being a setup man. And I think if a team just sees for Brad Brock for what he is, I think you could still get something there.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Um, so Chris Davis, he got benched for what eight straight games, yes. something like that. Yeah, he only played in like two of ten games. Yes he was hitting 150 before that or 149 or something terrible. He's come back uh, before today he was 4 for 23 hitting at 174 batting average which is better than what he was hitting but still not great. <laughs> but he did have two home runs, eight RBIs in six games since getting benched. He had uh some big RBIs there, the one in the Brave series yes. which was, you know, a few feet away from a grand slam that ended up being a bases clearing double. And he had the home run to put him up, up top, and what was it, last night? He hit the three-run home run yep. to put them ahead, yep. his second home run of the game. So he is certainly starting to look a little bit better. The concerning thing is he's still striking out at a high clip, 11 Ks and 23 at-bats. I'm not saying Chris Davis is back to his old form, but he certainly looks way better than he looked uh, before he got benched.
1: I don't know. I He went two for five last night, so if you take that out, what was he, two for 18? A bunch of Ks. I because pre- prior to last night, he had six straight strikeouts. If you remember, in six yeah. uh, at bats. I look. I, you know, I was talking about this on on the show I hosted over the weekend. You know, I don't know what you do with Chris. I I I do commend the Orioles to at least accept the fact that hey, we can't keep trying him out there every day, and they did bench him. It took for long the, enough. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, exactly, but you still have 4 years left to the deal. You know, as much as everyone wants to DFA him and get you know, release him, that's a ton of money. You know, that's what uh 80 some million dollars or whatever if I'm doing the math there. It's it's you got to hope that he plays himself out of it, but look, signs are that he probably won't. But God, if he can get a guy that hits 210 or at least hits homers for you, that's the thing. He he has at least hit two home runs since he's been back, so I guess that's a step in the right direction. He has driven in uh, eight runs, as you said, Alex. So you're seeing something, but I don't know if I'm going to get ecstatic over four for 23. No. I mean, I'm not saying you should be
0: ecstatic, yeah. but I, I think it is it, the benching did him some good. I don't think there's any disputing that before that he went what 23 straight the longest span of his career without hitting a home run he comes back he hits a home run his first night back his stance is a little bit closed now it's still pretty open but he's got his legs a little closer together he has made the adjustments which is something obviously Jim Palmer uh called him out for earlier this year and that blew up out of proportion um at this point you're not expecting him to hit 250. No. You're not even expecting him to hit 235. I don't we're even just, know if
1: you're expecting him to hit 200.
0: We're just hoping he can get <laughs> over
1: 200. You would take
0: the 2016 Chris Davis, 2 uh, 221 38 home runs, 84 RBIs. At this point, I would take the 2017 Davis, Alex, 215, 26 home runs, 61 RBI. The thing with Davis is he might have struck out a lot over his career, but he had that power where if he connects on it he could send it a long way and before that benching it did he couldn't even connect he couldn't even like if he fouled off a ball you're like feeling good about Chris Davis like oh look he fouled that off opposite way he might be coming back at least now he's running into a couple and getting them out and actually putting them in play he's going opposite field he's starting to get that better you know approach to the plate now I don't know if he's still out of if he's out of his head yet because I no. think a lot of his struggles it's, were just him inside his
1: own head. He said that. I mean, yeah. there was a quote of him saying he's too hard on himself yeah. and, and thinking too much. I,
0: I think the benching did him good. I'm not sitting here going to say Chris Davis is back, baby. No, no. I, but Alex, it well, did something good, and it, it took long enough.
1: I mean, what was the year? Was it 2014 or 15 where he hit 196, had 26 home runs, something like that? If you got his numbers up there, I. It, I w- my expectations are so low I would take that right now Alex. Yeah, well, I mean it's it's
0: 196 26 home runs 72 RBI in 2014.
1: It. I would absolutely take that. Over yes. Over everything. Yes. Like at,
0: before he got benched and he that's wasn't 196. even 196. <laughs> he wasn't even like just running into a couple every couple weeks. Like cuz he's always been known to have these long patches of just being terrible and then one week he hits six home runs. Yeah. And then you just hope for that one week to show up. Once every three weeks or four weeks, we weren't even getting that. So I, I think he is making a couple strides to be better. But uh, that ends our Orioles conversation for this week. As always, we'll get into it next week since that's basically the only thing going on until Ravens <laughs> training camp. But now it takes us to this desk pop round one. <laughs> All right, Tim Dylan Bundy said this after getting sent to the DL with a sprained ankle.
1: It's my fault. I, have, I haven't ran the bases since high school, and that was seven years ago. So I get it's my fault. You know, I, I need to go out there and. Prepare myself to do that in case it happens, and uh, I didn't do that.
0: All right. One, do you have a problem with what he just said? He hasn't run the bases since he was in high school, and two, should we switch to a DH in both leagues, or just keep the same? <laughs>
1: uh, do I have a problem with what he said? I, I don't. I, I, you know, I don't know how much he really needs to run the base pass when he's you know pitches in the American League now. I do believe that there will be a DH in both leagues in our lifetime just because of, I mean, Dylan Bundy isn't in that level yet, but all of these high-priced pitchers, you know, getting paid $20, $30 million a year, guys getting hurt, uh, they're they're going to do it because of that and because of the pitchers. And I think that's kind of being soft and dumb. I mean, look, it's, it's kind of clumsy, you know, Bundy getting hurt running on the base pass, you know, rolling his ankle or whatever, but... I don't. I don't know if I have a problem with it.
0: I think it's a little weak that he hasn't run the bases since high school. I mean, even in like scrimmages in spring training, you would think that they run the bases or do something. By the way, just just for practice, just in case. I mean, you know, you have interleague series throughout the season. You would think that they would at least do a little, like a couple hitting drills, maybe a couple running drills, base running. I mean. You, you see, how many times do we see Manny Machado make base running mistakes? And he's an everyday player. And as a pitcher, if you're gonna you know pitch and play in an interleague series, you know once or twice a year, you should still at at least once go over you know base running tactics. And it's I think it's just a little weak that he hasn't done it. Now I agree with you about the DH. I think we will see that in our lifetime. Do I want that? No. I think I like National League baseball. I think that's the more cerebral part of the game where you have the double switches. You have to think about uh, you know what do I do with my pitcher? Am I going to keep him for one more inning or am I going to pinch hit him here? If I pinch hit him here, I got to get a guy up in the bullpen. There's a lot more going on in the National League where in the American League, it's just, you know, you put a guy at DH and you just let him rip. Now, obviously, they're more likely to go all DH than go all NL rules because the DHs make too much money and it prolongs the careers of so many players. So there's no way they can go back. But I think they should just keep it the same. Just have the pitchers... Play baseball like don't just pitch like run the bases like do some hitting drills be athletes. You hear Ross Grimsley complain about it all the time. Pitchers aren't athletes anymore. They're pitchers that all they do is throw and all they do is you know lift weights. They don't do any running or any base path drills or anything. And I think that's that they're they're losing some fundamentals with the game.
1: I, I'm with you. I always look forward to interleague just to you know see that kind of because it is so much more. Uh, uh strategic in that regard but we were looking up on Vinny and Haney at for, we saw the stat Bundy in high school I think he hit over 400 so you know it's, it's just funny how I don't know you you have that much experience back then running the base pass and uh, I just think it's lame but okay uh I'll give you that one for one number two who do
0: the Orioles miss more Nick Markakis or Nelson Cruz
1: great question great question I'm going to say Markekis, just because they've never filled that right field hole. You know, the Travis Snyders of the world and just all of the bums that they have trotted out there. They're dead um, on. And yeah. don't get me wrong, Nelson, he would have been very invaluable for this ball club, even if you're just talking about clubhouse relationships. You know, I feel like, I feel like Cruz was such a mentor to Manny Scope and just a lot of guys in that clubhouse, and just he fit in so well with all of them, and everyone just seemed to gravitate towards him. But Marcakis, just his steady production, you know, in right they haven't come close to replacing that. You know, because you could give the Orioles, and Trumbo hit 40 bombs in 2016. So, I mean, they, they've still hit home runs without Nelson Cruz. Obviously, Cruz would have... Absolutely, help them, and they didn't want to give him that extra fourth year. But now he's got the most home runs in that four year span so far, so it ended up biting them in the butt. But
0: yeah, definitely I, with Nick, I, I completely agree. Marquekis, he brings more to the table, you know, outfield defense, on base percentage, you know, team leadership. I think they're, you know, on the same field as far as leadership. But yeah, I, I, they haven't replaced Nick Marquekis. They can replace the power of Nelson Cruz, you can't replace. The on-base percentage and just the knack of just putting the ball where it's pitched and getting on base. So, you're two for two. Good start. What's your favorite Gary Thorne mistake? I'll, <laughs> I'll play a couple for you. Just give a couple examples. I'm sure you've heard them all, Tim, but for the listeners of our podcast, I'll uh, give you a few examples. First one is uh, a classic one. He's trying to say Seth Smith.
1: Seth Smith. Seth Smith.
0: The second one is he's trying to say Caleb Joseph.
1: Caleb Joseph Smith thrown out 23.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Multiple Caleb Josephs. Uh, Another one, uh, Albert Pujols is thrown out at first. Most people would say he's retired.
1: Going down to third base. Nice play, Machado. he will make the throw over. Pujols is retarded.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the last one, this has happened in the past week. I guess he was looking for... Striking distance, spitting, spitting distance. distance, shouting distance, but that's not what we got. Play the
1: Orioles within <laughs> distance as we go to the bottom of the night. Honestly, and, you know, recency bias stuff definitely plays into it, but it's got to be within distance, you know, because, like, what a phrase, man. Like, how close <laughs> do you have to be to within crapping distance? Well, the
0: Orioles are the worst team in the major leagues. Yeah. So, yeah, if anybody's within distance,
1: yeah, little yeah. Little distance. They're definitely the closest one there. Yeah, no, uh, I I agree. I agree. I I think. Yeah, I've never heard that term before, and now it's you know, everyone's using it. It's all the rage. My favorite it's is is the Smith, Seth Smiths. Seth Smiths. Smith. <laughs> Smith. Just <'cause> Smith. <laughs> Everybody Seth does it, but he did it so Smith. many times. Seth. Smith. Seth yeah, Smith. Uh, yeah, yeah. You gotta just really slow yourself down when you're trying to say it or else you'd give yes. right, as you said. Or you get this.
0: I'm I'm gonna mark you wrong. You're two for three. All right. Because so I The, the, the <laughs> distance is good. But the Pujols one was really good too. I wish I could play that more, um, but I can't. <laughs> uh we'll move on from that uh the big three is now the only professional sports league to allow its players to use medicinal marijuana do you think more leagues will adopt this policy within the next two years
1: well the nfl cba is up in 2020 um i'm pretty sure and i guarantee you the next cba for the nfl they're going to have medicinal marijuana I'm not sure when, you know, NBA's up. I know they just recently did one. I didn't think it for it was for probably four years, five years, something like that. I think I could easily see NBA doing it as well. I, definitely soon. I think NFL's probably going to be the first one, just because it their collective bargaining agreement's up the soonest, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. And that's de- – because that's been a sticking point for their players for a while. Um, yeah, the addiction to so pain pills. Yeah, I, I – see that happening yeah
0: i i agree three for four um i think the nba is probably gonna be the ones to do it first just because i think they have a better relationship with their players where they can they have an easier route to accomplish that and have those negotiations and they're pretty lenient on their marijuana policy in the nba anyways i'm pretty sure Everybody in the league smokes weed. I mean, yeah. especially J.R. Smith smokes enough weed for everybody in the league. Yes, he does. <laughs> and yes, uh he, he continues to play every year in the playoffs. Uh all right, number five, you are three for four. Would you rather watch playoff hockey, Tim Barbellace? Here we go. Or a World Cup soccer match.
1: Oh man, you're really killing me. Yeah, hockey. I mean, I I definitely say okay, hockey. I was gonna yeah. really lose No, some for no you, I dude. I definitely say playoff hockey. All right, all right. Four for five. I just soccer, it's I mean, I guess I watched it a little bit four years ago when the United States were making a little bit of a run, yeah. but I I just kind of like okay, I guess we're this is the time where we're supposed to pretend we care about soccer. It just you know? takes
0: so long, oh, and yeah, it, and like people say, it's a fast-paced no. game. It's fast-paced if you're playing it, yeah. watching it. I mean, the field is ginormous, ginormous. Yeah. like it's huge. Yeah, it's Ice hockey is just nonstop, like just yeah. hits and like passes, shots, saves. Everything's going on all at once where soccer it's just so long and deliberate. It yeah, takes yeah. So long. All
1: right. Five for Plus six draws are four stupid. For five. Ties are stupid. Ties are and stupid. And it's zero zero draw. in the World Cup. Yeah, nah. How does that even work? All right, I guess I just wasted two hours of my life. Man. Exactly. It's
0: it's really dumb. Not a big not a big soccer fan. No. Not at all. All right. Four for five. NFL.com ranked John Harbaugh as the fifth best coached in the league. Is that ranking justified, or should he be lower?
1: Whew. We were talking about this on Vinny and Haney yesterday, too. I... Look, John Harbaugh, I think since 2008, the stat is he has the fourth most wins in the NFL. That being said, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately uh, leak in the NFL, and he is, his team has missed the playoffs three straight years and four out of five. Now, I do think he's kind of overachieved with some of those teams, specifically twenty thirteen. I didn't think they had much talent. I will give him credit for keeping the locker room together in twenty fifteen when they had all those injuries and they ended up going five and eleven. But no, you you gotta drop him on that list. You have to. Yeah. Look, he's a Super Bowl winning coach and Harbs is really kind of altered this franchise you know it used to be like a a bully type franchise under bill like you know we didn't care what the hell we said and this that you know he kind of has a straight lace kind of vibe to it and they've won a lot of games with john harbaugh you know had some unprecedented success when he was first here won a playoff game in every single time he's been to the playoffs but you gotta drop him
0: yeah, five for six, completely agree. I think he's propped up by his early years in yes, his tenure. Yes, that's exactly and he, sh-
1: he should definitely be lower than five. Yeah. All right, Desk Pops, round two. All right, we'll get into this a little bit more later, but Alex, you think Kawhi to the Lakers? Yes. I um, think so, too. I, I don't know
0: if LeBron is going to the Lakers. I don't think they get the deal done before LeBron opts out of his contract. But I think eventually Kawhi does go to the Lakers. Um, now, what it takes to
1: get Kawhi there, I have no idea. That's the problem. I mean, Kuzma, they, they just they don't, don't really Monzo have Ball. like a ton of trade pieces to equal a Kawhi. And apparently the Spurs are trying to get a similar uh, trade haul that Kyrie Irving got and Paul George. And I don't know if they get that with the Lakers. What's interesting is. The uh, Celtics are apparently rumored to be involved now, too. And then if you trade Jalen Brown or Tatum... I think
0: that's detrimental to their team because they haven't even seen what Kyrie and Gordon could do with these young guys. I mean, last year, Gordon got hurt in the first game, and Kyrie Irving was hurt for most of the year. And you saw Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown really flourish in that that offense. And if you put a Kawhi Leonard in there and trade away a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown... Or you trade away Gordon Hayward, it's like, why did you even sign him? Like, why did you even get him? I don't know how that would work. Um, I don't think Kawhi wants to go to the East Coast anyways. I think he wants to stay in the West. Um, if LeBron goes to the Lakers with Kawhi Leonard, that should be really interesting because instead of the yearly, oh, well, you know, whoever comes out of the West wins yeah, yeah. or, you know, whoever, the Golden State, they're going to win it. Yeah, yeah. You'll have that battle in the Western Conference Finals, which will be cool, but uh, definitely lowers the. Eastern Conference oh, by, to, by a long shot. Oh
1: my god, yeah. Um, I'll give you that one for one because uh, I think I think he's gonna end up going there. I just think Kawhi's he's being such a pain in the ass right now. I mean, he's them. not going I, to the Clippers. What are the Clippers no, going to give no, him? No, 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 nothing. Um, went to a wedding last weekend. I caught the garter, Alex. Woodward. Ooh, I did. And uh, I had to put it on an old lady's leg. Oh, yeah, the old was, lady. Yeah, very interesting. Was there. it very sexual? Uh, yeah, I you tried to make it as... I went like deep in her dress, dude, like way yeah, up in there. Yeah, you
0: used nothing but your teeth, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever caught the garter at a wedding? No, no,
0: for that exact reason. No? I, I don't want that awkward situation. I've only been to like three weddings as yeah, an adult. That, well, that was um, the first one. I went really, to a couple when I was a kid, one. but like uh no i avoid the garter Avoid um, it. Okay. yeah because i don't have that I awkward situation it. where you have to put it on some woman's leg that you have no idea who they are in your case an old lady sometimes you know the rare occasion you might get a hot girl yeah. and you're like oh yeah sweet i get to do this everybody's yeah. looking maybe i'll get her phone number afterwards but i feel like the odds of that are few and far between i just you know i mind my own business i stay away and the girls that are running for
1: the bouquet i stay away from them too you see i didn't really know what was going on you know i was Pretty drunk at the time, like oh single guys out here, you know. Kiss. He throws. You just garter. got those soft hands. You, yeah, you can't yeah. Well, help no, but catch oh, dude, I like one hand moss, you know, some guy, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, hell yeah, you know. And, and then they're like, oh, you got to put it on her leg, and I turn around and I see the grandma. Hey, I'm like, honey, <laughs> put it on my leg. Hey, toots. You know, what <laughs> <laughs> put it yeah. up higher. My <laughs> husband hasn't touched me then. Years. <laughs> Even though you haven't caught the garter, Alex, I'll give you two for two. Okay. I like your I like your logic there. Um, I know I think I've asked this for a desk pop a couple weeks ago, but we're about to find out tomorrow. Does LeBron leave Cleveland? Yes. Yes. I I really think he stays, man. I I disagree. I mean, we played that quote a while ago about him saying, you know, he was gonna. You know, his family factors into it, where he's at. And I think the Cavs are going to do everything in their power to build around him. Now, as I said this last time we talked about this, it wouldn't shock me if he leaves. But I maybe he opts out and signs another one-year deal just to get the increased you that know, I can pay see. bump. That I can see. Yeah, the increased pay bump. But I, I really think he's going to sign with Cleveland. See,
0: I think the whole J.R. Smith debacle and him punching the whiteboard and breaking his hand and just the way he talked about he wants to play with guys with good basketball iqs he wants to play with cerebral players i think that was all hinting at him you know having one foot out out the door already um i could see him signing a one-year deal um but and leaving after that i just think he's so worried about the Michael Jordan versus LeBron oh, James is. comparison, and, and he needs to chase that that fifth ring to get to five rings to be on MJ's level, because that's really you know the or I guess MJ has six, six right, yeah. yeah. Six. So he needs Kobe's to get to five. six, yeah. Kobe's yeah. five, so he is in this just search for rings, and I don't think he cares that much about staying in one spot and you know really building his legacy like Shaq suggested he should do, because uh, Shaq, I mean, he went from the Suns absolutely, to the yeah. uh, everyone went to the Celtics, <laughs> Celtics Cleveland, Cleveland, Miami. He was all over the place, over, and yeah. he got
1: nothing for it. Yeah, um, Two for three. Snowballs or Rita's? That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. I'm going Snowballs, Really? Man. No! Yes. Hell no! Yes, no. Hell no! Snowballs
0: all day because you get
1: marshmallow with it. I, I like a good Snowball. I appreciate a good Snowball. But I... I don't know. I think it's slightly overrated. I'm going to be honest.
0: See, I think Rita's is
1: slightly overrated. No, screw you. Dude. Screw you. No, you (laughs) screw you, buddy. Rita's 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 is
0: the most basic white girl place in the world, and you're a basic white girl, so that makes sense. Stop it.
1: (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) <laughs> um, now, uh, now Rita's is expensive I guess snowball can be expensive too but dude, I don't know yo I like I prefer Like I like custard dog I get gelat Gelaties And you know You get the get nice Ice cream mix. on top yeah, yeah dude Like it's I mean it's good chill. It's good
0: I, I don't know There's just something nostalgic I guess with like snowballs Cause yeah. it takes me back to like that's, You yeah. know after baseball games You, you know it's Fils a hot the... summer day You go to the snowball stand There's a cute girl in the window You yeah, even yeah, to have your yeah. eye on <laughs> Rita's I mean like It's just a bunch of like 14 year old girls
1: <laughs> that's so true but full disclosure i'm just a jerk to myself because i haven't had a snowball or Rita's at all this summer me too man you want to go after this yeah, <laughs> yeah I haven't done one either. there's a snowball stand like right by uh yeah pullet's snowball stand right i don't know what the it's place called i've street? never been i've never been maybe we should go either athletes. way <laughs> we should. We should. I, I, i'm feeling it now um all right two for four Screw number you. five uh we have richard justice on uh, a couple days ago, and he was really defending Dan Duquette, saying that you know he should get an extension, this, that, and the other. And we've already talked, you know, ad nauseum about who's going to be leading this uh, this sell off. We're barely over a month away from the trade deadline. Do you think Dan Duquette's actually going to be here for this sell off? I'm not saying long term. I'm just saying for this trade off.
0: That's a good question. Cause I want to say no.
1: I that's the thing. I, I want to say, say no, no, but, but uh, everything in my bones tells me yes. But dude, and I talked I talked about this on the show too uh, over the weekend. It was just, it's getting to the point where it's like whoever comes in, I feel like is at such a disadvantage unless it's Brady. But I'm saying if it's an outside guy. I mean you don't have a lot of time to formulate your plan and Dan Duquette's already, you know, talking about the trade the trade talks are heating up for Manny recently and you know, you don't really know what's going on negotiation-wise and it's such a weird situation to be put in, I feel like I think what it's going to I think
0: what it's going to be is Brady Anderson is going to be the one, you know, really negotiating these deals, but I think The trades themselves will be attributed to Dan Duquette. And then after the trades are done and the rebuild has been put in motion... I think they'll get rid of Duquette, bring well, yeah, in bring contract, in the savior, so. quote unquote, yeah. the new yeah. GM. Yeah. So if whatever that trade is doesn't pan out, they can blame it on the old GM, Dan Duquette, and not have this you know tainted look on the new GM that comes in. And he comes in and he screwed everything up, and now it's all his fault. They can kind of scapegoat Dan Duquette. While that
1: way. that's true. You also have to look at it from the point of view from the incoming guy. Like he's saying well, what if I don't like any of these prospects? What if I don't you know, no, like what absolutely. they did? It's not, it's, it's not yeah. fair to the inco- yeah. incoming
0: guy, but I think that's more of what the Orioles want. Because I've said this multiple times on the podcast. I don't think the Orioles like to admit that when they're wrong. And if they were to fire Dan Duquette and then hire a new GM and then start the trade process, first of all, that should, ha- should have happened a month ago if that's the case, but that would just be them proving that they were wrong about Dan Duquette and that they need a new face and... A new idea moving forward for the organization, which they do, but they don't want to admit that. I think so. I think you know Dan Duquette will be attributed the trades. I'm not sure if he's going to be the one actually making these trades, but I think he'll be the one that's blamed for everything.
1: I agree with you. Three for five, and last one. Last podcast we did a uh, favorite childhood cartoons. Mm-hmm. What's your What's your favorite adult cartoon right now? Number Favorite number one.
0: Favorite adults. Um, like going, like a family guy. I'm going American, American Dad. Dad. Yeah, yeah, I'm going American Dad. I, I thought of Rick and Morty because I just started getting into it, but dude, I, haven't watched, awesome. I haven't watched enough of Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty for Morty's me to really awesome. say that. I'd say American Dad and Futurama are definitely my top two. Futurama's awesome as well. I...
1: I'm gonna say Big Mouth. Have you watched that yet? Yes, that's big a good Mouth one. Big Mouth is awesome. That just
0: doesn't. It's not a big enough sample size. Like, oh, it's, it's only it's ten one episodes. Season. Yeah, that's it, true. It's
1: great. It is. Party Wolf. Woo! Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> I watched um, the season finale the other day. It's so quotable, man. Oh my it's, god, it's really it's good, so funny. but
0: it's not that well known. No, nah, it doesn't it's, have. It Doesn't key. have the large like sample size like key. American Dad. American Dad.
1: Season far, 2 comes far, out uh, soon, I think, nice. for Big Mouth. I'm going to check yeah, that I'm out. very excited. American
0: Dad's far and away better than Family Guy, and uh, that's usually regarded I, as, for he, most people's favorite, I, adult cartoon. Also, South, never, Park. Hey, oh, South, South Park. How is it not mentioned South Park? South
1: Park's awesome. South Park's awesome. American Dad, I don't know why, I just never got into it. I, it's because you're a lame. It's not saying that's bad. It's just I never... Futurama I used to watch all the time, but I don't know. American Dad just didn't didn't get into it.
0: They were so convincing in their argument, they swung me. That is right. Another week, another week of Desk Pops. We'll have more for you next week. Um, Moving over to the Ravens. They don't start their training camp till July 19th. Uh, They just finished up their mandatory minicamps, what, two weeks ago. Um, Lamar Jackson, he ran the entire offense, the entire practice on the last day of minicamp. That was something big for his improvement and his development as far as Learning the uh, the terms of the offense with Marty Morningweg, uh, you know, getting that chemistry with the players. I think Ma- Lamar Jackson will have a, a pretty big impact when they get into the red zone this season. Um, one thing that is a concern for Lamar Jackson is his mobility. He's a threat to take off on you, and obviously in the red zone, I think he will be lined up in a wildcat esque. Kind of formation. Just a threat. I think a lot of times he's going to be the one with the ball in his hands throwing. And if he needs to run, he will. But I think um, the main concern with Lamar Jackson is he made an appearance on the Lounge podcast on BaltimoreRavens.com. And uh, he was talking to Ryan Mink, who was one of the hosts on that podcast. And he revealed that he's never learned to slide. Are you kidding me? They changed
1: the rule with sliding, so you don't have to really slide. You can really dive for. I'm I'm gonna get myself
0: up. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I need need to practice. I need to practice. I never slipped before. (laughs) 16 games, 17 games, Super Bowl. That's all on my mind.
1: It doesn't surprise me that he said that because we had a uh, Louisville beat reporter. And one of the knocks, uh, Louisville beat reporter on Vinian and Haney, and one of the knocks he was saying is he takes on too much contact. You know, he doesn't really run out of bounds, he doesn't slide, or any of that. And he has to learn that at the next level, and that's another... Good thing that he's not going to be starting from day one. He can kind of develop uh, in his arsenal, sliding, diving, whatever the heck he wants in there. But you can't be taking unnecessary hits. And, you know, there's been, Vinny's been out there a lot at minicamp, and he said he looks bigger than he thought he was. But at the end of the day, dude, this guy's like 6'2, 211. Like, he's not a big quarterback. You know, the, the he's thing not was, a big yeah, guy. Yeah, the thing with
0: sliding, he has. Joe Flacco, who has had his own trouble sliding, he keeps sliding and getting his knee brace stuck into the grass. Uh, RG3, of all people, should be able to teach him <laughs> the value in sliding because yes. that, that ruined his career is not knowing how to slide or when to slide or how to slide or even get out of bounds. I mean, those are the two guys that should be teaching him because they've lived it firsthand. Um, like you said, it is not a surprise because at Louisville, they were they were very free with like what they allowed Lamar Jackson to do. Um I just think if he wants to make it in this league, he definitely needs to know how Absolutely. to get out of bounds and slide. Russell Wilson is the perfect example of you know a mobile quarterback that has perfected you know how to get positive yardage with his legs without you know taking hard contact and really taking that toll on his body. Cam Newton, I mean, he's like the worst example. Cam Newton looks for contact. I mean, he has the body to do that. Lamar Jackson doesn't. No. I went to minicamp twice and watched the practice, and if I didn't know what number Lamar Jackson was, and you can barely see the numbers in their jerseys anyways. But if I didn't know what number he was, I wouldn't have been able to tell the difference between him and RG3, because yeah. with pads and the helmets on, uh, they have basically the same build. They have a, kind of the same cadence when they say hut and everything, and the, the release is different. That is the main thing for me. I, You know, RG3 release, releases the football like all wrist, mm-hmm. and Lamar's more with his arm motion, but... Yeah, they're like the same size, and that's got to be concerning. Yeah,
1: that's definitely something I'm very interested interested in seeing next off season. Is I'm sure they're going to really have him in the weight room and maybe puts on an additional 10, 15 pounds because he he has to. I mean, you you want to see him to get maybe at least two twenty five, you know, maybe two thirty because taking those you know hits at two eleven, like he's he's going to break down. Yeah, and.
0: Uh, like I said in the red zone which is where I think they'll use them the most, those you know impacts are like multiplied Absolutely. because there's so many more bodies coming yep. at you at like a smaller yep. rate of, you know, the field. Uh another th- headline for Lamar Jackson this year has been when he got drafted, did Lamar reach uh reach out to Joe? Did Flacco reach out to Lamar? Is there a beef between them? Is Joe jealous of Lamar or whatever? Lamar Jackson cleared the air when he went on the Lounge podcast a few weeks ago, or I guess it was last week. I did not reach out to him, right. and he didn't reach out to me, so I don't know where it came from. You know, I guess they wanted to stir something up between right. me and him, but it was like, no, we grown men. Everyone knows it's a business. You know? I'm a rookie. I'm coming in trying to learn. No, it didn't bother me at all. Not at all.
1: One of the things that I really like about Lamar, and I don't want to get too off topic, is he really does say all the right things. You know, he, he really – he hasn't said one – you know, he hasn't been like a me guy. He's always been about the team. There was a quote in there asking him what his goal was entering his rookie year. He said, win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's not like start. It's not, you know, put up 20 touchdowns or whatever. it's It seems he's saying all the right things. And right there he said the right thing. He's not throwing Joe under the bus. He said, look, it was on both of us. We're grown men, you know. And we talked about this in past podcasts. I, I don't think it's a huge deal. I really don't. And it is good that, you know, Joe's talk now, Lamar gave his case, and hopefully this is over with. I mean, I would think it's going to be over with. But, yeah, it's it's kind of a non-story to me. Yeah, yeah uh-
0: I mean, it, it was solved by the time mandatory minicamp yeah. showed up because you could see Joe working with Lamar Jackson. You could see, I mean, they had the slow-mo video of Joe coming yeah, up dapping and him up. Ta- yeah. dapping up yeah. Lamar yeah. Jackson and yeah. tapping him on the helmet. Yeah, yeah. Everything's kumbaya yeah. at Owens yep. Mills. It's so overblown. I mean, you, you have to have something to talk about yep. in the offseason, and that was the main thing. But I, I do think Joe is looking over his shoulder, and I think yeah, that absolutely. will push Joe to you know be better this year. And if Lamar Jackson, I, I think Lamar Jackson's success in the future depends on this year and Joe Flacco, because in order for Marty Morningweg and Greg Roman and John Harbaugh all to be a part of this coaching staff moving forward, they need to have a winning season. They, they got to make the playoffs. And I, if Joe can't get them there, I don't think they switch to Lamar that early And if Joe can't get them there, all of those coaches could be out of the system. Now, they might retain Greg Roman, or or I don't see Marty staying if John Harbaugh is gone. And I think that's detrimental to Lamar Jackson's future because Marty and Greg Roman are two of the best minds to put him with because they've worked with mobile quarterbacks in their past. And if he doesn't know how to slide and he doesn't get enough reps this year and those coaches are gone next year, I mean, where is Lamar Jackson as far as development next season?
1: I I disagree with that. I think Lamar Jackson saves John Harbaugh and the coaching staff because let's just say Alex, they bottom out this year. They go six and ten, seven and nine. I still think they're all here now. If you would have really? asked me that before Lamar Jackson was picked, it was playoff or they're go- playoffs or they're gone. With Jackson, that's going to be their excuse next year and say, hey. You know, we we traded up, we trade a second-round pick, trade a future second-round pick for a franchise quarterback. You know, Joe, we can get out from underneath his contract. Now Lamar was developing, and now we're going to give him a go. Because it, it makes no sense to me, and I think we even said this the week after the draft during the podcast, it would make zero sense to me, and that was my point, why I was skeptical when they drafted Lamar at all, you know, for them to blow out their coaching staff while drafting this guy. And it kind of goes back to the whole Dan Duquette and who's coming in for the GM. You know, it it makes no sense to have a new coaching staff who wasn't here when you drafted your quote-unquote franchise quarterback come in and be handcuffed by that. That's why I think Lamar Jackson is John Harbaugh's out I really believe that. I could see that. I just think it's hard it's hard for me to sit here
0: and believe that a team misses the playoffs 4 years in a row. I'm with 5 you. of the last 6 years with I'm, the same head coach and I'm they retain no him-, him. I don't care if they drafted him. They drafted him because they think he's a great player. I don't think they drafted him saying, "Let's get this guy so we can keep John Harbaugh around." I don't think that's that was the mindset. I think they that that is a possibility, but it's the fans I, are going to be out, you know, out of their minds
1: if they now, miss the the playoffs for the fourth straight year, and there's no changes. Now you besides say, quarterback. Now you say that, but that is what's going to get the fans excited. What, Alex? I can't remember. You know, it's been years at this point. Probably after the Super Bowl that fans have been this excited for Ravens football. In my opinion, just calls and just, you know, everything with the fan. Everyone's drinking the purple Kool-Aid. Everyone's really pumped for this season. And I think a lot, a majority of the optimism came from draft night. It came from the Ravens making that unprecedented, really unprecedented move. That was the first time they traded back into the first round since uh, 2003 when they trade back in, got Kyle Bowler. You know yes. that doesn't. No, but seriously, it's yeah. it, it's a massive move. The Ravens love draft picks. They traded away a future second round pick in 2019 to get this guy. The Ravens Ravens fans have been clamoring for just excitement on the offense, and a lot of them think that Lamar Jackson can provide that. So, yes, I agree with you. It's completely unacceptable if the Ravens miss the playoffs four straight years. You know, they haven't done that since they first came to Baltimore in 96, 97, 98, 99, and then won the Super Bowl in 2000. You know, this hasn't happened, but they're going to sell the fans on look, this is a new era of Ravens football. Joe Flacco is gone. Lamar Jackson, there's going to be a completely different offense with him at the helm. And that's what they're going to sell the fans on. And I think the fans would be excited for that. Now, I agree there's going to be a lot of pissed-off people missing the playoffs five out of six years, you know, four in a row. But I'm telling you, that's what they're going to sell the fans on. I, You know, I we're just going to agree to disagree. I, I I can see where you're coming from, but
0: I, I, it's just hard for me to sit here and think that if they miss the playoffs four years in a row, they do that. They have Lamar Jackson. How much of them moving up in, in the first round has more, I think it has more to do with, how they feel about Lamar Jackson than how they feel about Lamar Jackson in a John Harbaugh system. I think it's more about they think that this is the future, this is our chance to get that next guy after Flacco. And after this year, Flacco doesn't work out. We can get out from under that contract. We can put a new face in there. We can get a new coaching staff, put new faces on the coaching staff. Just have a complete new look of the Ravens. Um, now you talked about getting the fans excited. They've they're certainly excited, and that's for two reasons. They've changed the philosophies on both sides of the football. Uh, they're trying to you know air the ball out more on offense, which is what Joe had success with early in his years. And on defense, they're trying to get more aggressive, but simplify the uh, or yeah simplify the uh, the defensive schemes and the calls and just everything as far as you know. They have veterans on that defensive uh, front. So they can make on the fly adjustments. Do you think all this is gonna pan out? I mean, John Brown, Michael Crabtree, and Willie Sneed, those are three new faces in the receiver's room. They obviously need help on the offensive side. Um, I think that the offensive changes are probably more likely to pan out quicker than the defense. I think the defense really? is gonna I think the defense is gonna I think the defense will be better than the offense, but I think the offensive changes will be more noticeable in the first few weeks.
1: Uh, well, if you're saying noticeable, I agree with that. But um, the Ravens want to go back to having the deep passing attack, like you said, but do these receivers fit that? John that, Brown does. John Brown does, but again, I'm skeptical of Brown. You know, just he's already hurt, he's already missed mini games. I mini camp I've I've told you for a while, and before the Ravens even signed him, I you know I wanted the Ravens to sign Willie Snead, and I even told you I think he's going to be the most underrated signing of the off season. I think Willie Snead's going to be good, but again, that's a slot guy, that's an intermediate guy, and that's kind of what Michael Crabtree is. You know, John Brown can stretch the field, Chris Moore can stretch the field, and he's reportedly had a very good off season. But how much can you really trust him? I just don't know if they. You know, Andrews, I feel like you can get him on the seam, and, you know, maybe even Hayden Hurst to an extent, uh, hit him on seam passes. But I don't know if this is a vertical offense with those guys. That's not to say that this offense can't succeed. You know, they just need to have more chunk plays, 15, 20 yards. You know that that works. I too. think that's where Crabtree comes in, absolutely, because uh,
0: he's actually really underrated yeah. as far as the work he does on the outside parts of the numbers. Yep. Uh, wh- you know, more closer to the sidelines. Mm-hmm. He's had a, a ton of contested catches in the air after twenty yards. I think that'll be a big impact. I think Hayden Hurst's ability and Mark Andrews' yes. ability to find that soft spot in coverage, they'll be able to get bigger chunk plays yeah. against zone defenses in third and long situations. They don't have to rely on so many. Checkdowns downs to tight ends that aren't really athletes that can't really do anything. Once they touch the ball. Um, I think Alex Collins will have a big, big role in this offense. Yes. And I think they'll go more towards that uh, 2013 Kubiak thing where they get the ball running and they work off play action and they have yes. options to pick from now. Uh, I've, like I said, I think the defense will be better than the offense, but I think you'll see the adjustments made on the offense quicker than you'll see the adjustments on defense. Because the adjustments on defense aren't really anything that you're going to be able to like really just point out and be like, "Oh man, that that's that's a Wink Martindale thing." Because they're just going to blitz more. Yes, and it's going to be, be more, more aggressive. More communication on the defensive side, as far as Weddle's leadership and C.J. Mosley making adjustments and making audibles. It's gonna be I think they have a lot of young guys on that on that defense and it's just gonna have a little adjustment period there. I think they'll be great though. I think they'll I'm, be I'm I don't think they're gonna end another year, you know, with the defense. I on the field. think
1: you know, everyone's talking about the offense and rightfully so, you know. Everyone they were twenty seventh overall last year. They wanna see improvement. They wanna see how Joe's gonna to respond to adversity, they wanna see how this new wide receiving core is gonna work out, the tight ends. But this defense to me, has really flown under the radar. I think they've returned every single starter from last year. This cornerback group, you could make an argument that this cornerback group is the strength of the team. You know, D-line's always been the strength, and that's probably number 2, but at corner, they're really set in a way that they haven't been in a long, long time, and Wink Martindale said just that.
0: I think we have more depth in the secondary right now than we ever have. Where we're going with this thing is, is really exciting to me. And I hope it's exciting to you as well. And I know it's exciting to the players.
1: I mean, dude, how many years where the Ravens would get just get decimated with injuries and they're signing guys off the street, Danny Guerrero, and just, you know, guys, no-name guys. I mean, look at you got Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, who they were two guys in the top five where uh lowest passer ratings had thrown against them. They were both there. You got Tavon Young coming back from the ACL who had a very nice rookie Great year corner. in 2016. Great slot guy. If you have Brandon Carr as your number four cornerback, you're doing really, really damn well. Because for as much crap as people want to give Brandon Carr, you know, sure, he got exposed when Jimmy went down and guys healthy. were t- picking on him. As a number four, Brandon Carr is a starting caliber cornerback. I think I think he's a solid number two. I'm not saying he's spectacular, but as a number four, yeah, absolutely. And then you got uh, you know Canada who played well. Obviously, he made the mistake at the end of the Bengal game, but he played well. Jalen Jalen Hill. I mean, he's coming off the injury, and then you drafted uh, Anthony Averett, You know, and uh, mid round guy, fourth round guy out of Alabama. So I mean, you got a lot of talent at corner.
0: Yeah, and Chuck Clark, backup safety. They love to use him in different nickel packages and dime packages. I, I fully agree. This is the deepest secondary they've had. They've been. I mean, that's been the weakness of the team. Yes, like, like you said, exactly. So that has always been the thing, and that that depth in the secondary allows that front seven to be more aggressive oh yeah
1: oh yeah and i'm i'm very very curious how tim williams and tyus bowser will do in their second year i'm really excited to see both of them because you know two guys underwhelmed bowser he flashed early won rookie of the week in week two against the browns had a sack and an interception i think but i'm really excited to see their you know jump in year two, and I think it could be huge. You know, if if they could combine for eight, ten sacks between the two of them, I mean, that could go a long way. And I'm expecting a big jump from Matt Judon. You heard here first, on the other guy's podcast, Matt Judon, double digit sacks this year. Call I think him. he leads the team in sacks. Mmm. Yeah, I could see it. I uh, could see it. Yeah, Suggs. Is, yeah,
0: Suggs is great, but I think his his best years are behind him. I Matt, Judon is going to surpass Matt
1: him. Judon. Again, you heard it here first. Is the next <laughs> young Pro Bowl Ravens defensive player? Ooh, he's going to be a Pro Bowl. Okay, fair he enough. Will be, I'm not. I'm not going to call it this year, but he will be a Pro Bowl. All right. So, can you believe we've done an hour already
0: of this podcast?
1: Oh man, Yeah, I know. Time, right, time flies when you're talking sports. Makes you say what
0: the. <laughs> Great.
1: What the hell's going on out here? All
0: right. My WTF moment of the week. It comes out of Russia. World Cup is in Russia, and uh, Burger King is apparently a huge thing in Russia. Really? Um, there's Burger Kings in Russia are now offering, quote, Whoppers for life to women who get impregnated by World Cup athletes. No way. I This is a real thing. No they, way. A day, a day later after uh, posting this, they had to apologize for being misogynistic. But this was a real thing. Now, the ad, the Russian ad on social media translated to English, says, quote, Burger King, within the framework of social responsibility, has appointed a reward for girls who get pregnant from the stars of world football. No way. Each will receive 3 million rubles, or rubles, that equates to $47,500, and a lifetime supply of Whoppers. For these girls, it will be possible to get the best football genes and will lay down the success of the Russian national team on several generations ahead. Forward, we believe in you. How have I not
1: heard this? Uh, I don't know. That is... It's nuts, right? Bro, $47,000 plus a lifetime of offers. To Whoppers? get pregnant. Man, that's a good deal. Man, to, 2018, <laughs> a, man, it pays to be a woman. It pays to be a woman. It's also
0: pretty demeaning. Oh, too. oh no,
1: no, no, absolutely. I, I don't mean to like joke too much about it. I mean, it is, it is very, you know, fucked up for uh, Burger King to do that, but... Wow, it's just so weird that like this is a fast food chain offering
0: Whoppers yeah, for life. You thought they're Wendy's? They're talking was... about they're talking about great jeans, like like athletic jeans. You have these great athletic jeans. Here's a a lifetime supply of something to make you fat.
1: Like those are just I, two things that don't go together. Yeah, man. You thought Wendy's was a bunch of savages, but goddamn, <laughs> yo, Burger King, yo, yeah, man. <laughs> All right, my WTF moment of the week, and really you could say moment of the year. We we talked about it during uh desk pops. Kawhi Leonard, it it is just he played in what, eight, nine games this year. He had the quad injury and uh you know People on the Spurs were calling him out, uh, Tony Parker, and you know they were kind of saying he quit on him. And then Kawhi, he said that the team betrayed him and Pop's been doing all this, and now Kawhi wants out. And a longtime Spur, he won a bunch of rings with them. Bruce Bowen had this to say.
0: I think there's nothing but excuses going
1: on. So first it was, well, I was misdiagnosed. Look here, you got $18 million this year, and, and you think that they're trying to rush you? You didn't play for the most part a a full season this year and you're the
0: go-to guy you're the franchise and you want to say that they didn't have your best interest at heart are you kidding me not one time has Kawhi come out and said anything to the effect of you know what hey I really enjoy being in San Antonio or I can't stand what's going on here in San Antonio not one time has he said anything
1: I I agree with Bowen, I mean, it's it's just been such a poorly handled situation by Kawhi. I mean, I I really can't say I blame the Spurs at all. I just a bizarre, you know, situation makes you say, "What?" The- uh, absolutely, man. The <laughs> whole
0: the whole thing is weird. But uh, that's it for this week on the other guys. I'm Alex Woodward. He is Tim Barbalace. We'll be back at you next week. Uh, we say this every week. Maybe there's an Orioles trade next week. I doubt it. But uh, we can always dream, right? Uh, we'll get into more of the Ravens conversation next week. Uh, the Big Three League, they got medicinal marijuana. I'm going to get into that. Uh, we're going to have Clyde Drexler on the Scott Garso Show next week. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some clips from that regarding medicinal marijuana and that impact on professional sports and other leagues uh, besides the Big Three because... It's only their second season, and they're more progressive than any other sport. Uh, but until next week, I'm Alex Woodward. He's Tim Barbalace. Until then, we'll tumble for
1: you. <laughs>